I am a follower of Jesus. I already introduced myself earlier, but I'll do it again. I uh, struggle with selfishness, fear, and pride, and my name is Julie. And I'm so excited to be teaching you uh, tonight. So our teachings on Friday nights follow along with the lessons that we do in step studies. Many of you know that, but if you're new to CR, you may not know that that's how it works. So we teach with the uh, lessons as they go along in step studies. And at this point in the year, we are at principle seven. We read all the principles earlier, and so we are at principle seven at this time in the year. And specifically tonight, I'm going to be covering two lessons from principle seven. I'm going to be covering the crossroads lesson and the daily inventory lesson, if you're following along with how step study works. So I have titled this lesson, One Day at a Time. So here are some benefits that we have enjoyed so far in the first six principles that we have been walking through all year long. All right? Principles one through six. Here's a summary. We have already identified some of our blind spots, and we have admitted that only God's power is strong enough to help us tackle them. We have opened our hands in surrender and invited God to help us in those hard areas. We have looked deeply in ourselves. We have confessed hard things, and we have learned things about ourselves that we did not see before. We have started to make some changes in our life based on what God has shown us so far. And this has begun to heal some of our relationships and strengthen our character. So that's where we are, principles one through six. We have awareness, we have surrender, we have hard work, and we have some healing that we've been experiencing. A lot of healing and freedom happens in principles one through six. It is hard work, and it feels great. And it is so easy to see healing being realized and then to start right here and just jump back to the beginning and ask God to show us a new blind spot. God, show me some more. Jump back to step one. Let's do this again. Rinse and repeat. So I have a story that illustrates what can happen at this point of the process, at this point in the journey, what can happen next? So I'm going to narrate for you an actual interaction that happened between me and my son when he was about 12 years old. This is a long time ago. And uh, he, this is an actual conversation we had. And he was getting out of the shower on Easter morning. So he's getting ready for Easter, gets out of the shower, and I catch him in the hall with a towel wrapped around his waist. So I catch him and I go, oh, hey. Um, this shower does not smell like shampoo. Did you wash your hair? Yes. Hmm. Did you, hey, did you use that new men's shampoo that I just bought? I mean, I don't smell anything. Yes. Okay, come here, come here. Let me smell your hair. I smell nothing. Did you even use soap? Yes, I used some soap. Okay. Where? What did you wash? Where, where did you wash? What did you wash? Mom, I washed yesterday. What? You were just in the shower. What are you talking about? Mom, I just washed. I took a shower yesterday, and I washed then. Okay, but you were just in the shower just now, and you're telling me you did not wash your hair or your body just now. Mom, I told you. I took a shower yesterday, 
and I washed my body then. Okay, son, this is unbelievable. Get in the shower. It is Easter morning. Take a shower, wash your body, and wash your hair. Okay, that's what it's for. All right, that's it. End scene. That's the end of my conversation. Okay, so the shower is relaxing and warm, and it can wake you up in the morning or calm you down when you need it. It is soothing and comforting. It is where we go to get cleaned for the day, and my son enjoyed many warm things about his shower on Easter morning, but he totally missed the point, okay? He would have had stinky armpits for real and oily hair if I had not redirected him and tell him to try again. So this shower story perfectly illustrates what can happen to us at principle seven. It is so easy to stop right here. So grateful for the healing that we've been seeking, just like my son enjoyed so many benefits of his shower that he turned the water off before it was finished and he actually missed the most important part of the process. Here we are, principle seven says, reserve a daily time with God for self-examination, Bible reading, and prayer in order to know God and his will for my life and to gain the power to follow his will. So now that we've had some healing, God is showing us what will actually keep us clean one day at a time. So I'm going to challenge you to ask yourself some important questions about principle seven. Are you, as you read this, spending time daily reading God's word, listening to what he wants to tell you for that day, looking at yesterday for your attitudes, your failures, your victories, Inviting him to show you him in a new way and asking him for power just for that day. Are you doing any of those things? Because that's what principle seven is. Or have you gotten stuck in the process, enjoying the healing that you've gotten this far, basking in the warmth of it, and then turning off the shower? The purpose of our healing is to point us to the healer. Don't love your healing more than you love your healer. We see Jesus confronting the people of Israel about this exact thing. So Jesus' ministry on earth was about three years long, and he did a lot, and most of what he did was teaching, sprinkled in with miracles here and there, but it did not take long for the crowds to grow to very significant sizes. So after a couple of years, one of the crowd sizes got so large, it was 5,000 men, um, and plus women, plus children, and all, this entire group was really hungry, so Jesus performed his very first miracle to an entire crowd all at one time. He took a sack lunch and he multiplied it so that it fed everyone there with leftovers. And the miracle was so shocking to the people that the Bible says Jesus realized that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king. So pause right there for a second. Wow. 
controlling much. Here is a sidebar. Sometimes Jesus can give me a miracle in one area, uh, only for me to take control somewhere else. Okay, anyone experience this? Thank you, God, for that awesome miracle. Now follow me. Let's go this way. That's what they were doing. Okay, so back to the story of the 5,000. So the next day, this same group of people went searching for Jesus. Surprise, surprise. When they found him, Jesus called them out. And he said, you have come looking for me, not because you saw God in my actions, but because I fed you, filled filled your stomachs, and for free. They came back for the food, not the Father. Our recovery work is amazing food for us. It nourishes us and it strengthens us, but it is not a replacement for the Father. Our recovery comes and goes. There are victories and failures, and our recovery fills our hungry bellies, but it is not permanent and it is not perfect. Jesus said, don't work for the food that doesn't last, but for the food that endures for eternal life, which I will give you. Don't chase your recovery and miss the relationship. If you are following the principles more then you are feeding on the provider. You will never be satisfied. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. No one who comes to me will ever be hungry, and no one who believes in me will ever be thirsty again. Life comes from him, not from his gifts, not from his blessings. So that same day, There was another crowd of people, it says in Mark. People hurried throughout that region and began to carry the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was, wherever he went, into villages, towns, or the country. They laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might touch just the end of his robe, and everyone who touched it was healed. This makes me wonder, what did the healed people do? After being healed, did they respond after their healing with anything significant other than enjoying their new healed bodies? Maybe. Is that all they were after? Is that all we are after? Is that all you are after? He came for our hearts not just our healing. The purpose of our healing is to point us to the healer. The purpose of our growth is to point us to the giver. The purpose of our transformation is to point us to the Trinity. The purpose of our safety is to point us to the Savior. The purpose of our miracles is to point us to the Master. The purpose of our sweet rescue is to point us to the solid rock. Don't miss the purpose of your healing. This is the crossroads 
that we talk about in step study right here at principle seven. Do we enjoy the temporary healing and the food that we've gotten and park our car there? Or do we drive to where the real healing takes off, which is relationship with the healer, the provider, the miracle worker, the king of kings? If this is where I feed myself, then when I fail in my recovery, it will not derail me because my solid rock is firm. So how? How do we maintain this relationship? So in our daily inventory lesson in step study, it's about seeking God daily and inviting him to reveal things to us one day at a time. And the primary tool that we encourage is journaling. Okay, so maybe you love journaling and that's how God made you and you've been doing it since you were a kid and good for you. (laughs) Maybe you're like me and that's not true. Uh, Maybe journaling feels like homework that you're supposed to do for the rest of your life forever and ever. Amen. No thanks. So I can do journaling for an assignment like lesson 20 and step study. Uh, But I'll tell you that something switched in me this year on this topic. I was struggling to be consistent in my time alone with God, and I got easily distracted when I got still. Hello? Hello? Any distracted people out there? Okay, so I asked God to show me how he would design and structure that time. And I just told him, if you design it, I will do it. That was my promise. If you design it, I will do it. So he told me what time to go to bed. And it was earlier than I wanted. (laughs) He told me what time to set my alarm. And he told me what time to get out of bed, which is not the same time that I set my alarm. Right, He told me what to do when I got to the couch, and he told me to take three things with me, my Bible, my notebook, and a scratch pad. And he told me that my phone absolutely cannot be in the same room with me. It has to be in another room the entire time, and I need to be with him for an hour, my phone in the other room. And if anything came to my mind during my time with him that was like of something else, which is a hundred times during that time, I wrote it on my scratch pad so that I could get back to what I was doing, because otherwise I get... I'm derailed. So my notebook, though, is where my time with God started to take shape this year. Sometimes when I sat down, man, I was preoccupied in my mind about something that happened yesterday or that's been going on in my life. And I knew that if I spent the first 10 minutes just sitting there thinking and ruminating and going over and over in my head about something, that it was a signal to me to start writing that down. Start journaling about that, talking to God. And so sometimes I wrote a God, to God a letter. I would just write him a letter on my notebook about what I was feeling and what was going on. Sometimes I just vented my feelings out on my paper. And sometimes I just wrote down a million unanswerable questions that I just needed to get out of my head and on paper. Just, just gives me some healing. Other times I sat down, there wasn't anything pressing in my life, nothing super distracting. And so I sat down with my Bible, and and I would read something, and I would just write down anything that stood out to me, any insights that I got, any questions that that I felt like the passage was asking me, any new um, direction that I feel like he was saying to me. I wrote that down. And sometimes I just needed to be still. And so sometimes I write in my Bible, in my journal, what message do you have for me? I just sat there 
still with nothing in my mind until he gave me something and I would write down what, he, what direction he gave me, what person I needed to talk to, what I needed to do, what he was trying to say. My journal is not a running list of my daily activities. It is not a documentation of my life. My journal is where God talks to me. It is where I say hard things and I ask hard questions, and it is where he answers me. Without my notebook, my relationship with God is in my mind and in my practice, but the roots I've found are shallower because there's nothing anchoring them. The page slows me down, opens my eyes, and anchors my journey. So are you ready for a little Julie transparency? All right, my hesitation to journaling was twofold. I've already mentioned that it felt like homework. Homework is boring. It takes, the, it takes a lot of motivation for me to get even started, and I'm probably not going to go back and ever read what I wrote. Maybe I will, but that's, you know, I thought, I'm not going to go back and study all this stuff, which is what I thought the point was, so I thought, well, I'm not doing that. What's the point? Secondly, it is slow. Oh, my gosh. So I like to be efficient. Uh, anyone who knows me will tell you, I, come on, we got to get a move on. I like to be efficient. So I, like, I never actually read books. I listen to audiobooks because it's more efficient. I can do so many other things while I'm listening to an audiobook. It's faster for me. I can get bored when I go slow. And I've conditioned myself to be quick. So if you ask my husband, Dave, he's sitting right down there. He said to me once that if, if I were to ever be given a native name, it would be called, I would be called Walks with a Purpose. That would be my name. Uh, because I walk like I'm always in a hurry. But I'm, I'm, I'm not in a hurry. I just, it's more, it's just, I'm just, it's more efficient to walk quickly. So if you see me walking quickly, people ask, are you okay? Yes, I'm, I'm just walking with a purpose. Okay, shh. So God showed me, though, the value of slowing down my time with him because my mind needs to get out of the way and my pen helps me to process what I am hearing and what I am thinking. So if you sponsor someone, okay, I know there are many of you out there who sponsor people. If your sponsee comes and asks you about an issue or asks you a question, it's very normal for a sponsor to say, hey, have you talked to God about this? And what have you heard from him? I will challenge you, sponsors, to ask your sponsee a follow-up question. Ask them if they have journaled about it. God can show us answers, reveal roadblocks, and help us do a 180 through our pen in a way that bypasses us if it's just in our mind, there is something about the concreteness of the page that gives us a firmer footing. Did you know that the longest book in the Bible is a journal? We get to read in Psalms the personal journal of between seven and ten different people. In there, we see anger, blaming questions, sorrow, gratitude, confusion, analysis, weariness, confessions, and praise. 
and God speaks to them there. Sometimes they start out angry and they end in praise. Sometimes they start out in exhaustion and end in surrender because God spoke to them. Sometimes the gratitude of that journal in Psalms accelerates, and sometimes truth is confirmed to that journaler. Our time with God is spent one day at a time, one moment at a time. And if I am not able to carve out any intentional moments in my day to spend in slow conversation with my Savior, my recovery will always be handicapped. Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible. And guess what it is? It is a love letter about the scriptures, about how transformative they are. It is, and the most famous verse in Psalm 119 is verse 11, and it says, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And I'll tell you that the words lamp and light mean different things in this verse. The lamp is a footlamp, like the light of a single candle. It only gives enough light for the very next step, and it shines directly at our feet. We can make the entire journey step by step with that one lamp, but we have to keep referring to it every single step because it's just a single candle. The light, the light of our path is a floodlight. It is daybreak. It is, God, let there be light. That's the kind of light that is. And God's word is both kinds of light. It is the glorious, illuminating, absolute truth, once and for all light. It is also the individual, personal, step-by-step, intimate guidance that we need moment by moment. His word is everything. It is the beginning, it is the end, and it is the right now. Second Timothy says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. We have everything that we need in God's word, the bright light and the personal lamp, seeing ourselves clearly is possible when we spend each day with the Savior. I'm going to invite the band to come back up as I introduce our blue chip time. And I'm going to invite our huggers to come on up. This is a time for you to respond to what God has done on your heart in the last 20 minutes. Have you had some healing in your life? But let it distract you from spending time with the 
healer. Have you given yourself a pass on sitting down, slowing down, or writing down? Have you believed the lie that this part is optional when it's actually the whole point? Our healing points us to the healer. If God is calling you to reach for him for the first time or for a fresh time, respond. We have these blue chips up here. Respond and come down and take a blue chip to tell God, I need to surrender that to you. I want you to design my time with you. I'm going to let you be in charge of that. Invite God to give you direction, and he will lead you in new directions. Men take from men, and women take from women, and the prayer altar is always open.